Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Baseball season's underway in New England. Most high school prep and little league teams kicked off the season in the last week. We're going to preview the prep season today with the coach of the top-ranked team in New England. We'll be joined by Phillips Andover coach Kevin Graber. Under Graber, Andover has won four league championships. This is the fourth season in which the Big Blue have started the season as the top-ranked prep program in New England. He'll be joining us by Zoom. KG, thanks so much for taking the time. Dan, it's so great to be back on the podcast with you. I listen to every episode religiously on my headphones during my daily trail run. You guys are amazing. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know how you have time to do that because you're everywhere on the New England baseball scene. <laughs> Last summer, uh, you were an assistant coach down on the Cape with the Bourne Braves. You're an associate scout for the Yankees. I know you're a travel ball coach with the New England Roughnecks. You're all at all the Area Code Games events, and uh, you've coached at the college level, played professionally. Who's more dialed into the New England baseball scene than you? <laughs> Hopefully me. And, you know, in terms of when do I have time to listen to the podcast, it's all about multitasking. You know, I can get that run in. I can get some information on the pod. You know, it, it fits into the, into the into, into my daily schedule for sure. Yeah. Now, it's amazing that you guys are um, currently our number one team in prep. Uh, and that was the coaches poll, coaches voting on that. And that surprised me because you graduated so many great players last year. D1 players, uh, Duke uh, freshman Jonathan Santucci, Jack Penny, who's at Notre Dame, Matt Sapienza, who went to Georgetown, just some really high-level guys. How do you think, uh, how did you repl- replenish and replace so much talent that graduated last year? Yeah, Sebastian Mexico is the starting right fielder at Fordham this year, and LJ Keevan's the number one starter, uh, left-handed pitcher at UMass Lowell, so that, that's a lot to replace. Yeah. But, you know, I think when people think of our program now, they identify us with Thomas White. And Dan, as you know, Thomas White is the number one rated arm in the class of 2023. Just got that, you know, that college commitment decided and out of the way. He's headed to Vanderbilt if he doesn't, uh, you know, if he's not the number one pick in the draft. Right. Um, so I think that is how the perception of our program has evolved since the graduation of this amazing wave of Division One commits we had last year. You know, but to go along with Thomas, there's Tommy McAndrews. He's our catcher. He's a four-year guy. He's headed to Fordham. Uh, Jake Needham is, uh, you know, every bit the number one pitcher that Thomas is. Um, and he's a Holy Cross commit. You know, we got C.J. Egri in center field, another Holy Cross commit. Jesse McCullough in the middle infield headed to Tough. So we've um, we've reloaded, so to speak. And, and I wouldn't say we're as talented as we were last year, but we're good in a different way. We're like smaller, scrappier, deeper, and we can push more buttons. Right. And you mentioned the Thomas White uh, commitment, uh, which kind of makes this a timely interview because um, he just did that last, you know, last week. And his his whole recruiting process was different. Like you said, he could he could potentially be the number one pick in the draft next year in 2023. Um, You know, he could have gone anywhere. So it wasn't a lot of these high school guys you'll see, you know, on Twitter, they're posting, hey, 85 topped out at 88 today. Here's my email. I'm uncommitted. He didn't really need to do any of that stuff. How was his uh, recruiting process different for you as the coach? Well, Dan, I can't tell you how proud I am of Thomas. I think a lot of kids want to rush to an early commitment because there is that lure towards social media. You know, they want to put that uh, announcement out there and get the likes and get the congratulations. And, you know, Thomas is not a big social media guy. Thomas is more about the quality of the pitch coming out of his hand than the noise that's happening around him. So as you mentioned, he wasn't in a hurry. And I know there were a lot of folks out there in the baseball community who were asking, like, when is he going to commit? And the answer to that has been, you know, when he's ready. 
it's, you know, when, when you know that you're going to have options and you know, they're not going to go away, you know, it's easy to wait, but at the same time, you know, Thomas was really careful and really deliberate. He had great support around him with a wonderful mom and dad. I've tried to help as much as I can. And he narrowed it down to a list of schools that were a match for him academically that were a match for him baseball wise. And in, when all is said and done, he made a great decision. So I'm just really proud of how he navigated that whole path. Yeah, I would imagine you were probably hearing from a lot of those recruiters and college coaches like, hey, what's he thinking? Where is he? Which way is he leaning? Um, Was that the case? Did you hear from a lot of people who wanted the inside scoop? Yes. And there was a time where, and you're right, Dan, a a lot of people have been like, oh, your your phone and text must be just blowing up with phone calls and texts from college recruiters and this and that. And, but for a time it was advisors who, um, you know, on the pro side wanted to sort of get in with Thomas. So that was a really interesting part of the process as well. But, um, you know, I think that Thomas does a good job representing himself. And I think that his mom and dad are wonderful as well. So I, you know, I wasn't like overwhelmed with waves of correspondence from college coaches. Um, it was a real small select group when all was said and done. And, uh, you know, the head coaches were great about it. The recruiting coordinators were great about it. I enjoy this part of the process with our players. And the great thing is every time we have one of our guys commit to a, especially a major division one, I become better equipped and have more information to help the next kid that comes along. So that's, that's really good. It becomes self-perpetuating. Right. And now, uh, you, I know we talked before we got on the air here and you said, um, it feels like it's spring, you know, major league baseball spring training because you've played so many scrimmages. Uh, it's almost been 10, I think, because you had, you know, six down in Florida and, you know, three or four since you've been back up here. Uh, what have you learned about your team so far that maybe you didn't know, you know, two or three weeks ago? Well, Dan, the great thing is our Florida trip and, you know, a bunch of teams we'll talk about today all made Florida trips. But for the first time since 2019, so the first thing was like, all right, how do we do this again? Like who who else goes and where are we going to play and where are we going to stay and flights and the whole nine yards. But, um, you know, we got down there and we played six games. We were there the 13th through the 19th. And, uh, you know, we practiced on that on that uh, on that. Saturday, we, you know, we, we, we had a single game the next day, a doubleheader. We practiced on that Wednesday, then a single game that a doubleheader. And it was great. We played some good teams. We played um, Avon Old Farms and they're spectacular every year. We played um, Iona Prep from downstate New York and they're really good. And since we returned, you know, we scrimmaged Andover High School. Uh, Bishop Fenwick has my good friend, Matt Antonelli, um, piloting the, the ship over there now. And uh, we did St. John's Prep at their place. And yesterday we were over at St. Sebastian. So, Dan, that's a lot of baseball before our season even begins. Yeah, it's more in the preseason than I can remember in any other year. Yeah, Avon Old Farms is actually our number two ranked team right now in our prep coaches poll. And I was looking at your schedule yesterday. You've got some big time um, matchups. You know, you've got Dexter twice, obviously. You've got yeah. Belmont Hill, who has uh, Jack Winnay. Um Worcester Academy seems like they have some. Everybody's six seven, six eight, and on their pitching staff, and you know, throwing ninety miles an hour. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the Governor's Academy there, Exeter twice, Deerfield. What opponents and players are you really looking forward to seeing this year? Well, we, you know, we did have a chance to get on the field with Avon in Florida. We don't play them during the regular season because, you know, geography is a little bit prohibitive. It's a bit of a long road trip and we're in different leagues. But man, Rob Dowling does such a great job. And, you know, they they are a power in that Founders League. And 
the players on their roster that stand out to me are, well, the coach's son, Brian Dowling is a Harvard commit. He's a big left-handed pitcher. Uh, they got the uh, Gavin Geiger who's committed to UConn and James Moore to St. Lawrence. So they got some arms um, closer to home. Dexter's really good. You know, Dan Donato's their head coach. He does a great job. Uh, Ivan Arias, the shortstop committed to Vanderbilt. You know, he's one of the top shortstops in the country. Um, they have arms. They got Chase Hartzell, John Hernandez, Dante Pavone, Damon Alexander, uh, Ryan Grundy, I think is a, is a kid who's trending. He's a class of 23 uh, corner infielder. Mm-hmm. And Matt Conti is the, the sophomore um, catcher who's a Wake Forest commit. So they're, they're loaded and they're deep. Yeah. Uh, on our schedule as well, I see Belmont Hill. Mike Grant is my really, really good friend who's the head coach there over in the, uh, the ISL. They're young but they're talented. I mean, Mike does a great job, you know, attracting awesome kids who are good students who are also really good baseball players and play a lot of baseball in the summer. Mm-hmm. They have a kid named John Maluski, who's a big, tall right-hander in their class of 2023 that I really, really like. Hmm. And Dan, you mentioned Worcester Academy. Jim McNamara is one of my best friends in baseball. Sadly, this is his last season at the helm of, uh, you know, Worcester Academy. So uh, I'm going to enjoy that time with him this, this spring, but um you know, they have arms in Carson Walsh and John Tully and Will Ernst and, you know, athletes galore, and they're going to be really, really good. So up and down what is now the the top 10 um, in the New England Baseball Journal uh, preseason poll, man, there's just great teams, great coaches, and a lot of athletes and a lot of big-time Division One commits. Yeah, you guys will have some, uh, some good tests this year for sure. Um, last year was kind of a, a crazy – I, I don't want to say crazy, but a very um, – it was laden with just top high-end prospects, both at the college and the high school level. Um, Dexter had Josh Baez last year go in the second round of the draft. And I know you're an associate scout for the Yankees, so you kind of have a feel for this type of thing. Do you, do you see any pro prospects on the prep scene this year that would kind of go in that same you know top couple round range? Well, I mean, I love Arias. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I love the Conti kid, even though he he's a couple of years away from that. Of course, we got Thomas White, who's on the horizon here. Right. But last year was just a little bit of an outlier, wasn't it? With, yeah. uh, you know, Baez and, and Santucci and all these guys and, and all these potential, like, really, really high round picks. Um, and last year was also a crazy year because I don't know if I've seen more talent on the New England prep school scene. But at the same time, none of us, no teams played for a championship last spring. It was all everyone just scrambling to get games due to COVID because we were, you know, everyone was masked and, you know, there was still quarantining happening on the school campuses. And it was not business as usual, even though we were able to play baseball. You know, for instance, we played 14 games when usually our schedule is like, you know, 2021 and 22. And we played Winchenden, for instance, in a doubleheader. We don't typically play them during the regular season because they're not in our league and our schedule is full. My concern this year with everyone's schedules was no one has played a a regular season, like a standard season in two years. And it's like, okay, that team that was on our schedule on this date back in 2019, are they still going to be on our schedule? Have they replaced us with someone else? Are they in a different league? Uh, So there was a lot of scrambling to find, to get back to a sense of normalcy this year for all the teams, because we were just so abnormal for two seasons. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it is great to finally kind of have it back to normal where, People are playing full schedules. You're not getting dressed in the parking lot before games and, you know, having locker room closures and things like that or even cancellations yeah. because of COVID outbreaks. It's It's been nice to have it uh, be normal this year. Um, we've done some stuff before on your rock to rail uh, philosophy sure. or, uh, you know, it's yeah. kind of a slogan, a hashtag for some of the things that uh, are just uh, the standard at Phillips Andover. 
What does Rock to Rail mean and um, how does it work for the players? Well, thanks so much for asking. Uh, it's a hashtag for one thing, so we can put it on our social media whenever we post something of a kid who's, uh, you know, espousing our core values on the field or off the field. But basically on our facility, on our baseball facility, in right field, there is a boulder. And that boulder has a plaque on it because the field is dedicated to a, a very involved, invested alum named Dick Phelps, who was a, uh, a teammate of George H.W. Bush back in the 40s in our baseball program. And so when our guys come out of the locker room, the first thing they hit when they hit our baseball field is that rock. So they stop and they rub the rock and they sort of give some thoughts or prayers or whatever they want um, as to what they want to accomplish on that day. And from that rock to the railing of our dugout on the third base side of our diamond, they're at least on a light jog. They hit the field running every day from rock to rail. And rock to rail symbolizes all the core values that we take care of in the space on that field between that rock and that rail. And that little run they make from the rock to the rail, it just symbolizes to the world that like, I get to be here today. Like I don't have to be here today. And, you know, the core values that exist between the rock and the rail are everything from, you know, sprinting everything out, getting on and off the field in 12 seconds, playing the game with energy, enthusiasm, you know, hitting unselfishly and situationally, you know, picking up your teammates, adding to the circle of energy in a positive direction. It's things like that. You know, I'd rather uh, than say, hey, guys, you got to play hard. I'd rather define in our program what it means to play hard. And rather than say, hey, I need you to be a good leader. We'd rather define in our program specifically and exactly what it means to be a good leader. So that's what Rock to Rail is all about in our program. Yeah, that I, so I didn't realize that uh, George H.W. Bush has such a presence there. Um, can you is that something you'll see all over the campus? <laughs> It's pretty prominent. We have uh, uh, George Bush scholars. Um, that's an endowed financial aid scholarship uh, for many of our students. It doesn't have an athletics uh, relationship at all. It's about great kids who are an academic match for the school. Um, you know, we wear uh, George H.W. patches uh, on our on our sleeves of our uniforms. We have a nice plaque um, in our home dugout with, uh, you know, it has a, an image of George in his Andover baseball uniform. And there's a, a little bit of a superstition that happens there. Like if you take your thumb or your forefinger and you rub President Bush's forehead on that plaque before and at bat, good things tend to happen in a way that's been kind of freaky over the years. Um, one question that our guys always have is like, how long does that good luck last? Is it just for one pitch? Is it for an at bat? Is it for an entire game? Does it last a week? And I tell them, I don't know if I was you, I'd keep rubbing it though. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, See what the statute of limitations is on that. That's right. Yeah. Well, it seems to be working out for your team and your players. The base path podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. 
Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. I was listening to another podcast that you did to get ready for this, and um, I did. I I think I knew, but I had forgotten. So you were diagnosed with lymphoma back in 1992. So this is uh, this year, I guess, will be 30 years cancer free. That's right, Dan. Thank you so much for mentioning that. Yeah. You know, I was a, I was a senior in college. I played um, initially at Winthrop University. I'm from Albany, New York, and I went down south to pursue the Division One baseball. Um, and I made really close, I had a really close relationship with the head coach at the time at the College of St. Rose in my hometown of Albany, New York, named Bob Belizzi. And I had played for him in the summers in the Northeastern Collegiate Baseball League for the Schenectady Mohawks. And I decided to make a switch from Winthrop to the College of St. Rose in my hometown uh, because St. Rose is a great school and also just to be with Coach Belizzi. And my senior year, um, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma. I had a large grapefruit-sized tumor in my chest, May of 1992. I played my entire senior season with it, undiagnosed. I didn't know what the problem was. I just knew I did not feel well. And I basically collapsed uh, on the field um, during the playoffs. So from there, it was directly to St. Peter's Hospital. You know, I was admitted through their emergency room in intensive care and uh, you know, biopsies, surgeries, pretty long uh stay in intensive care and then right to uh, chemotherapy and, and radiation. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to work through that. And, you know, I, I got back into baseball when I became healthy again, coaching uh, a Legion team in the Schenectady, New York area, and then California junior college baseball out in Susanville, California at Lassen college. And then I became healthy enough where I really wanted to get back on the field again as a player. So I went overseas and I played club baseball in Australia um, I worked my way into spring training here in the U.S. and then signed with an independent team called the Southern Minnesota Stars in the Prairie League of Professional Baseball, who interestingly were owned at the time by um, Steve Avery, John Smoltz, and Tom Glavin. So that was a pretty cool place to be. Hmm. Um, my uh, chest x-ray, unfortunately, the following season showed up a little something. Um, so I wasn't back to square one, but I was back to you know surgery and some treatments for that. And, um, you know, I couldn't play anymore, but um, they asked me if I would manage the team. So at the time, I was actually the youngest manager in all of professional baseball, managing the Southern Minnesota Stars in the Prairie League of Professional Baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I got a, a little bit of a promotion. I managed the Adirondack Lumberjacks in the, in the uh, Northern League of Professional Baseball. And then after that, my wife and I started having children. So segue to college coaching, which led eventually to this position I now have at Phillips Academy Andover. So it's a long story, Dan, but I did my best to give you the spark notes version of it. And it is the 30th year of that cancer diagnosis this year. So trying to think of something to commemorate it uh, because it's, it's, you know, it seems like a, a distant memory, but it's something that's really with me every day. Yeah. No, congratulations. That's a huge milestone to clear uh, 30 years. How do you think it's shaped? Because when I read that, uh, you know, you, you look at how positive you are and even the rock to rail, you know, it's kind of approaching every day and trying to make the most of it. Uh, how do you think that experience kind of shaped your coaching philosophy and your philosophy towards life? 
Well, you know, the one thing it did, Dan, is it made me more well-rounded because at the time I had identified as a baseball player. Mm-hmm. I had no other identity. I had no other interest. Um, you know, if you saw me walk down the street and you knew me, you said, oh, that's Kevin Graber, baseball player. If I introduced you by myself to you, you know, I said I was Kevin Graber, baseball player. Um, you know, when that diagnosis came, I was no longer a baseball player. And the question I had to ask myself was actually, who am I? Like, what am I aside from? the way I identify with this one thing. So it forced me to examine my life and find other interests and other things that I was good at and other ways to connect with people. And one of the things I love about my job here at Phillips Academy Andover is that I get to do a lot of different things that have nothing to do with baseball. You know, I'm a dean in our office of admissions, so I get to help families and kids through this admissions process. And the majority of those kids I work with don't play baseball. Um, You know, I help run a dorm here on campus. I'm an academic advisor. I teach a class as part of our empathy, balance, and inclusion curriculum. Um, I'm the advisor to our senior class. I like to do a little bit of everything. And a lot of that stems from the fact that, you know, I just got caught in this in this instance in life where I was one thing. And then the very next day I was not that thing anymore. Um, so that, that really changed my life in that way. And of course, you know, Dan, I remember when I first got back on the field in Australia, you know, I was out there at shortstop and, uh, it was a long road to get where I had been with that cancer diagnosis to be healthy enough to get back on a baseball field. And I just remember, you know, the smell of the grass and the, 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 the crack of the pitch and the catcher's mitt, And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I looked around and I sort of took a deep breath and I teared up right there on the field. You know, I'll never forget what that was like in terms of the emotions it brought and the feeling of accomplishment that I felt in, in, uh, you know, overcoming those obstacles, get back on that baseball field. And I have not taken a day of baseball for granted since then. Not a minute. In fact, I tell the guys all the time, man, if you can't get fired up to play baseball, whether it's practice or watching video or getting out there on the field in game speed, I don't know, man, there's something wrong because baseball is amazing. It's something to be really, really excited about. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to ask you uh, kind of along the lines of that point, um, coaching on the Cape, you know, I wonder how that even works. Like, uh, are you away from your family for the whole summer or what is that negotiation like with your wife? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My job here at Phillips Academy is a 12 month position because I'm the senior associate director of admissions. And summer is a big time for us because families come and visit the campus, go on campus tours. They have admissions interviews. We work on special projects. But due to COVID last summer, my office decided that we were going to be virtual rather than in person. We're going to do virtual tours. We're going to do virtual interviews and we were not going to be in our office. So when that happened, I, uh, you know, I asked our, our Dean of Admission, uh, uh, Jim Ventry, he's like, hey, we're going to be virtual, right? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, well, I could be virtual from anywhere, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> he was like, yeah. So I really wanted to do something a little bit different. You know, I, I had been a head coach in the college summer leagues um, in the mid 2000s. You know, I managed most recently the the Saratoga Phillies in the New York Collegiate Baseball League, uh, where I actually had J.D. Martinez on my roster back in 2008. So this was a return to something that I used to do quite a bit of. Um, but you're right. It's a, it's a big commitment because I can't commute back and forth between the town of Andover and the Cape. That just doesn't work. Right. So I found my place. I found myself a place to stay on a, on a, on someone's property. They had like a little guest house on their property and my wife, Tina and our daughter, Kelly, and Kelly's an amazing sports photographer. They kind of came back and forth, but they were with me for a lot of the summer. And as you know, in the Cape league, it's a, uh, you know, if, if, if you're down there for 70 days, you're playing about 65 games. Uh, yeah. So it's, it was a lot of fun and I actually rode my bike 
back and forth every day from where I stayed to our home field to either play that game that day or get on a bus. So little, little seven mile bike ride each way every day. So I was super fit at the end of the summer. There you go. Yeah, that's good exercise. Uh, you mentioned Kelly. We've done the story on her back in 2015. She got sick with an autoimmune neuromuscular disorder. Uh, and that required nine calls to 911. Three times she was airlifted to Lawrence General Hospital. Um, when, as you look back and think back on that time, that must have been a pretty terrifying time. Uh, you know, when, when it's your kids and you're, it's not really within your control, I think that gets scary. What do you remember about that time? I just remember how amazing that child is. I mean, she, she's just incredible. Every bump in the road that's come along, every hurdle, she has scaled it. I mean, fast forward to today, she's a freshman at Endicott College, living in the dorm. She's a photography major. So, you know, uh, when she discovered photography, it was with a, a secondhand camera that she bought from a faculty member here on campus. She just started taking photos. You could see that she had an incredible eye for it. But now she actually knows like, the settings and the apertures and which buttons to push and how to doctor the photos up in, in, uh, in Photoshop and illustrator and all that fun stuff. So it's like having an in-house super legit, amazing sports photographer embedded in our program, uh, which is awesome. And, And Kelly's just great. And, you know, we have this commonality, she and I, because, you know, we both dealt with this life altering health situation, you know, me with lymphoma and Kelly with the challenges that she faced. And we sort of, you know, we can look at each other and we can sort of relate to the challenges each of us go through in that regard. So we, we just, I don't know if a, a father and daughter can be any closer than I am with Kelly. It's really special. That is special. That's wonderful. Um, as, and when you uh, do the, your scouting for the New York Yankees, I did want to ask about that too. Um, Cause I saw you last summer at the summer rivalry classic and area code games tryouts and things like that. Um, what, what is your role? Like what type of feedback do you provide and how much um, say do you actually have, you know, leading into the draft? I dictate every draft pick that the Yankees make every year. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, seriously. uh, You know, I think I'm a good fit for a role like that because I'm sort of a rare breed, Dan. I, uh, you know, I have a background in professional baseball, having played and managed in professional baseball. Um, I have a background in college coaching and I played college baseball as well. So I know what that area is like. Um, I'm now a high school coach in a, in a pretty high high profile program. And many of the kids that they're, you know, they're evaluating our high school players. So I bring a a bunch of different perspectives to to the table when it comes to being an associate scout. But in reality, um, you know, I work with Matt Hyde. Matt Hyde is the Northeast scout for the New York Yankees. He's, he's an amazing friend and colleague and mentor actually. And I just, I love to just be near Matt and do it ever I can to help. If that's hit a fungo, if it's throw batting practice, if it's um, dynamic stretch, a group of kids during area code workouts, so the scouts can sort of focus on something else. Like I'm really, really happy to do that. And anytime they ask me for my input, I always make sure I'm ready to give it. I will never be caught by surprise. I promise you that because that's not an opportunity that everyone gets. So I'm ready for it. Um, but you know, very humbly, you know, they are the ones who are the decision makers and do their real evaluating. Yeah. Matt, uh, he's been on the podcast and he's a Philip Sandover alumnus too. So, uh, he's got, he's, he's, as I, I would say he's probably just as dialed in as you are to the New England baseball scene. Matt Hyde is one of my favorite people in baseball period at any level. He's just such an exceptional person. One of the great things about Matt is, you know, being the Northeast scout for the New York Yankees, like that's a big deal. He could totally walk around just big league and everybody, you know, wearing Yankee stuff and, you know, just putting this aura of like just real importance 
but he understands like what he is to a kid, like an 11th grader in high school who's on that field playing in front of Matt Hyde. He treats those kids with so much respect and he understands the role that he plays and the importance that, that kids and families see him with. And he never, um, he, he just does such justice to that title and that position that he has. He's just super humble and such a great person. Yeah, he is. Um, one of the, one of the debates I've seen on Twitter, and I actually read a story about this yesterday and I wanted to get your take on it is that, uh, during the off season, guys are too focused on velocity, whether it be exit velocity or, you know, on the mound. And then when they actually get into game situations, you know, they haven't practiced, Hey, it's a two, two count. I've got to throw something on the outside corner. And, you know, they spend too much or even with their swing, you know, Hey, it's a two, two count. I just need to, you know, try to hit the put the ball in play shorten up on my swing choke up on the bat and guys are just trying to hit it you know 100 miles an hour in terms of exit velocity what do yep. you what's your take on that my take on it dan is it is a double edged sword because i know from experience if you film yourself throwing a bullpen indoors in december at a performance center and you show the radar gun and it says 88 or 89 or 90 you're going to get calls from coaches. I'm going to get calls if I'm your coach. Uh, I'm going to get uh, Twitter messages. I'm going to get emails. I'm going to get texts. So I, you know, I will not deny that there is merit in, um, in, in, in sort of uh, publicizing yourself on social media in that way. But at the same time, Dan, as you know, I mean, you can throw as hard as you want. If you're not throwing strikes, if you don't have secondary pitches that you can control, if you can't control a running game, you're not going to get on the field at the college level in a productive manner. So you have to find a balance between the two. You got to find velocity so you can open up doors for yourself. You got to publicize yourself. You got to have people who are willing to publicize you, but you also have to be able to play the game of baseball at a level in which your team can win games. So Uh, You know, that's the best advice I have for the baseball community. It is a double-edged sword. There's merit to both arguments. You got to find a way to balance it all. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find a way to play situational baseball, you know, in April, May, and June, or, you know, all throughout the summer. Uh, Last question for you. uh, And I see you doing it. Like I said, you know, you do a million different things, a million different, uh, your hands are in so many different things in the baseball world in New England. Um, is there anything that you haven't done that's on your list of things to do, uh, coaching at a specific level, or like you said, last summer was a great experience with the Cape, anything else like that that's on your list? You know, I would love to, at a certain point, circle back to professional baseball. Um, one of the things that I've done in the last, I would say since 2014 is I've, I've become obsessive about base running. I'm obsessed with where is the free money out there on the baseball diamond? How can we get from point A to point B without having to wait for guys to string two, three, four, five base hits together? You know, I presented on the main stage at the American Baseball Coaches Association National Convention in Chicago uh, this past January. And the topic was what I call systematic chaos. And it's just that how can we create chaos on the baseball field through daring base running? But also, how can we be systematic about it, you know, with drills and skills and defining timing, distance and anticipation and a bunch of other cool stuff. So at some point, I would really, really love to bring all this information I've gathered in the system that I put together and maybe circle it back into a professional organization. And maybe someone will let me come into spring training and work with some base runners at some point. That would be really cool. Yeah, I actually watched that presentation on YouTube last night and a couple other ones. You're doing a lot of uh, base running stuff that and I tried to figure out how to get it in here on the podcast, but I think it works better as a YouTube. It's more visual. 
Uh, but it was really sure compelling. Thing. I really enjoyed it. So I would encourage anyone uh, to go onto YouTube and watch those uh, those videos because those were definitely interesting and, and very informative. Well, it's, it's, it makes me a little bit nervous, Dan, because I have this sort of gospel that I preach about this, and I am not shy about sharing the, you know, pulling back the curtain and helping people understand the wizardry behind it. And so on our high school schedule, there's all kinds of kids on these other teams who I've coached in the summer who have played in my system. You know, I see coaches on the opposing sideline that I've seen in, you know, some of the, the presentations that I've given and, and traded emails about, and I'm always nervous, like, oh, they're going to know everything we do. <laughs> But we keep doing it and we keep having success with it. So um, I'm just going to keep uh, keep preaching the gospel and putting these resources out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's about making the game better and growing the game and putting information out there so other coaches can help kids more than it has to be about. All right. This is this top secret king, this top secret formula that we have to keep secret so no one like knows what we're doing. So growing the game is more important than that, I think. Right. Yeah. Now you do kind of open the playbook in that. I had that thought that like, hey, if you're nope. if you're playing, it's a good scouting report on how you like to attack on the base pass. But um, yeah, I just I just did a five uh, episode series with John Madden at You Go Pro Baseball. So right. You yeah. Search You Go Pro Baseball and like the third or fourth episode, I'm I'm just I'm pulling back the curtain. I'm just giving nuggets of gold out. And I'm like, oh gosh, should I really be giving this out for free and like to our opponents? <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that one actually last night. It was I watched the uh, delayed steal, so that was yeah, that was a good one. Well, there's more to come. There's three more episodes coming. We've done two so far, and we we filmed them all actually during our Florida trip. Uh, John with Hugo Pro Baseball rented an indoor facility and got a film crew and uh, we got together because we became friends on uh, social media and got it done. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it looked like it. Well, Coach, I, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. I know you're right, uh, ready to start up the season this weekend, so uh, we really appreciate you checking in. Dan, I want to just say that I'm old enough you know, I've been at Phillips Academy and over for 13 seasons now. I remember life in New England prep school baseball pre New England baseball journal and man, pre New England baseball journal and post two very different things. A lot of kids were, you know, playing baseball in relative obscurity. And now you guys do such an amazing job publicizing these kids, both in the magazine itself on venues like this podcast on social media. So just a huge thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so much gratitude for all you do. I really appreciate you saying that. Thanks to Phillips Andover coach Kevin Graber for joining the Base Path podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. Subscribe to New England Baseball Journal at baseballjournal.com to get the spring edition mailed to your home. It will be published in April. Subscribe, like, follow the Base Path podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks again for listening. The Base Path podcast is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>